What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about a Colorado summer staple. Film on the Rocks is back this year. It's been a summer event for over 20 years, one of the staples of my summer here in Colorado. And what it is, is you get to watch a movie at Red Rocks Amphitheater, and it is so much fun. Not only do you get to be at Red Rocks Amphitheater, but you get to be surrounded by diehards of these movies, and you get to watch in instant classics like the Lost Boys, GoldenEye, Legally Blonde, Independence Day, The Shining, Jurassic Park, Casino Royale, Princess Bride, and so much more. I've seen Princess Bride at Film on the Rocks, and it is so much fun just having people dress up uh, like the characters, and everyone knows the words to the to the big timelines. It's a really fun environment, and what they're also doing now is you can watch it inside Red Rocks Amphitheater uh, for $16 for general admission and $32 for VIP, or you can now go and watch it in your car for $59.50 per car. You can pack as many people in as you want, and now you get to watch it on a big screen and a park lot as well so there's three different amphitheater viewings and so make sure to check it out because guys i gotta tell you whether you're visiting or whether you live in colorado it is such a fun experience to do so make sure to check them out uh over at film on the rocks at over at red rocks park all right mace let's hop into the show DNVR Broncos podcast on this terrific Tuesday. I'm your host joined by my man, Andrew Mason. He's back. But before we hop into the show, got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver online, because time and time again, the one thing that will protect you against economic downturn is an education, allowing you to adapt into varying careers. And you can go build your toolbox over at MSU Denver online. And before the pandemic shut down life and forced everyone to go remote last year, MSU Denver had already mastered the art of online learning. So check them out over at MSU Denver online where they can hook you up with everything you need to further your education. My boy, Mace, what's shaking? What's shaking? Little morning beer. That's what's shaking. <laughs> uh, it's kind of theater of the mind there. I'm not, not really having a morning beer, but, you know, just kind of getting perked up in the morning, you know, back, back. Missed you guys the last couple of podcasts. Uh, was an interesting couple of days. I was actually completely unavailable yesterday when um when Demarius Thomas's retirement uh, came down. So, you oh, know, there's rare. there's no su- there's no such thing as a uh, as a dry period. You think you're you're getting you think you're able to get away for a little bit and uh, and take care of some other things going on in life. And oh no no, there's a, a retirement. Although, is it really a big deal when the player hasn't played a regular season snap in over a year and retires the whole, it feels kind of anticlimactic, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, especially since he hadn't been with the Broncos for a couple of years, more of just a celebration and a look back at his career and everything he did. And man, 
what a career it was. I mean, looking at the numbers and, and, and what he was able to do really just makes you say, holy cow, was he great. He had a he had a five year burst that was as good as any as we've seen in the history of the league and certainly yeah. uh, in Bronco history. Now, a couple of things that he wasn't blessed with. Um, number one, he was not blessed with good health for longevity. And uh, part of it was because of another blessing. He was so big and physical that it took two guys mm -hmm. to bring him down too often. And because of that, he's taking a lot more punishment every time he's tackled and that uh, and wore down. And, uh, and there were, and there were some moments of course, where um, uh, he, he, he did have some drops now uh, as, as he told my radio partner, Eric Goodman, I mean, he, he acknowledged back in the mid to 2010s that there were a lot of things on his mind that uh, uh, like he, of course he had his mother and his grandmother who had their senses commuted. And I think at one point, like literally he said, look, I mean, it's the first time they've watched ever watched me play beyond like peewee because live. And so he had, he had a lot on his mind and uh, sometimes he wasn't quite able to compartmentalize perfectly, but uh, it also owes to what kind of person he is and uh, and ha and what kind of person he was in the locker room and what kind of person he was or he is for his uh, mother and grandmother as well that uh, he couldn't quite check uh, all of those feelings and emotions at the door when he walked into the locker room and went to work. But that's that's OK. It says a lot for him as a human being. And uh, and he's going to be a ring of famer. I should say he better be a ring of famer and he better be Gosh, a ring of famer yeah. at first at the first opportunity. And uh, he may not go uh, down in NFL history in Canton, Ohio, but he's certainly going to go down a very honored place in Broncos history as well. So a, a, a salute to Debarius Thomas and uh, Broncos got nine years out of him. And even though his best years with Peyton Manning, don't forget he uh, did emerge under Tim Tebow. So, he isn't the product of Peyton Manning that everybody seems to believe that he is. He was already becoming a terrific receiver before Peyton walked in the door. Well, and on top of that, Mace, he also did it a year after Peyton Manning left, and he did it during Peyton Manning's decline. I mean, during his incredible stretch from 2012 to 2016, he did it with Trevor Simeon in 2016. He had a 1,000-yard season. He did it when Peyton Manning and Brock Osweiler uh, weren't very good together in 2015, and he did it when Peyton Manning, you know, started to decline midway through the 2014 season. He did it all of those years as well. So it is easy for an outsider to say, well, look, he did it with Peyton Manning. No, 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 no. He he sure, certainly that really helped, but he also was just that good of a player. There's no question, Mace, that he is one of the top Bron Broncos receivers of all time. You can even make a case that he's the best, but I mean, he's right there. Rod Smith, Demarius Thomas, those to me are clearly the top two in Broncos history. Yes, yeah, I think it's a top three for me because I throw in Lionel Taylor from back in the 60s, especially when you look at what Lionel Taylor did compared to others of his era and how he set franchise standards that took decades to surpass. Just because the Broncos were lousy in those days doesn't mean that Taylor was not a great receiver. So to me, historically, it's a big three of Rod Smith, Demarius Thomas, Lionel Taylor, and uh, kind of the not one of the things for Taylor, like I said, is uh, being ahead of his time. He was probably about to 20 to 30 years ahead of his time as far as wide receivers went in terms of in terms of production and effectiveness. And um, yeah, the, the, those they're the gold standard. And uh, 
hopefully in the next few years, we're going to see Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, or both approach or meet that standard. Yeah, that would be something else. And man, that would be really exciting. And May, since we're ranking things, why don't we look at a ranking that CBS Sports did? It was brought up in a comment yesterday, but we want to dive deeper into it today. Over at CBS Sports, they ranked the head coaches in the NFL from one to 32. And as we found out from our commenter yesterday, no surprise, they did not have Vic Fangio very high at all. In fact, they had Vic at number 25 in these rankings. And Mace, what's even you know more damning, because I don't think that's a surprise to many people, but what's more damning is they have him as the third worst returning coach. Pretty much all the other guys below him, except for two, are guys that are brand new coaches. So they do not view Vic very highly. You've literally got two brand new head coaches who are above Vic on this list. Yeah. One of whom actually is a protege of Vic Fangio. Brandon Staley in the in Los Angeles with the Chargers is One ahead spot of Vic higher. Fangio. That yeah. just seems like a little slight just to Vic right there. Yeah. Arthur Smith going from the Titans to become the Falcons head coach. He's higher. The only two that are lower, by the way, are Joe Judge and Zach Taylor. So the guys with experience. Yeah. And and Joe Judge a had a better record than Vic. Last year. Right now, now uh, Vic had a better record in his first year because right. the Giants went six and ten, and uh, Vic and the Broncos were seven and nine. So basically, their winning percentage is the exact same mm-hmm. at this point. And uh, why put Vic Fangio higher than Joe Judge? I don't know. Now, just look <laughs> the uh, the author of this piece, Cody Benjamin, um, says that he ranks the coaches with past performance and future outlook in mind. So it's focusing, it's not focusing on long-term accomplishments, but also it doesn't completely ignore them. And he says he kind of views this as a coach's draft, as in if you could build a team and take any of these guys to run the show in 2021, who would you select? So pardon me. Sorry. So that's the criteria here. Any surprise me. So what, what's interesting about is it, this really isn't, he's not really looking at the coach and what the coach brings. He's looking at what the team has done in this Mm -hmm. coach's era and what the team will do in this coach's era. Yeah. And uh, here's the paragraph on Vic Fangio quote, He's still a top-notch defensive mind, and Denver has the pieces to be even better on that side of the ball this year. The problem is he's entering year three with no clear resolution at QB, and while Teddy Bridgewater raises the floor and or could reignite Drew Locke's potential, Fangio has also assembled a rather uninspiring offensive staff. It mm. could be tough for him to last much longer than AFC West, unquote. I object to things there. Yeah. First, I object to the term rather uninspiring on the offensive staff when you have, in my opinion, the best offensive line coach of the, of the last uh, 20 years in the NFL in Mike Munchak, the best of the 21st century running things. You have a, uh, a very well-regarded quarterback coach in Mike Shula, a very well-regarded wide receivers coach in Zach Azani. 
just to name a few of the of the staff. I think if he if Benjamin in that paragraph had said rather uninspiring offensive coordinator, he might have had a point. And offensive they, they staff, probably they, what he, yeah, it's what he should have said. Right, right, and and that I have to imagine is what he was thinking. But there's a couple of things there to unpack because I agree, Mike Munchak is not uninspiring at all, and this this offensive staff is actually a really solid offensive staff. But I mean, he clear he points to the quarterback situation being unresolved. That isn't necessarily on the head coach at all. So that's why mm-hmm. when we look at this, we have to look at it through the lens that Benjamin is looking yeah. at it through, uh, where it's pretty much how's the team going to do? Well, Mace, a 12 and 20 record uh, from Vic Fangio's first two years is one win better than what the Broncos did in the Vance Joseph era. And Vance was absolutely ran out of town. So is it a surprise with a 12 and 20 record and, uh, you know, a Teddy Bridgewater drew lock combo that they've got going for this year that Vic isn't viewed very high because they don't think he's going to have a lot of success. No, that's not shocking. Uh, now, one of the things he does say is Vic is a top notch defensive mind. And one of the things we have to remember is that's why he was brought here. He wasn't brought here to hand the defense off to Ed Donatel or another uh, coach and, you know, really be a CEO of this team like like Vance Joseph was was supposed to be. He was brought in here to keep that defense great. So John Elway, when he looks at this, he says, "Okay, the quarterback position, that's on me. I got to figure out and a top notch defensive mind. John's like, yeah, that's exactly what I hired him for. Now, is that what George Payton wants? in a head coach. We're going to find that out maybe after a slow start for a month, or maybe it's after this year, whether that's what he wants as well. But one thing we know about George Payton Mace is he has given Vic Fangio and like Benjamin notes in here, he has given Vic Fangio all the tools to succeed as a defensive minded guy this year. There's no question about that. So you kind of have to separate the defense, the quarterback and the head coach, and he's, he's lumping them all in one. And so that's how we're going to view this to me. It's no surprise that, I mean, you're pretty much looking at the record here, Mason, the record is, is pretty bad. So it's not a surprise that he ranks in the bottom 10. Yeah. There's another thing that also comes into play here. Let's take a look at the top 10 coaches on this list and do a little exercise here. Number one, Andy Wait, Reed. Before, before you do this, I'm going to yeah. guess what your exercise is. I'm going to okay. say most of them are offensive minded guys. No, not oh, exactly. Okay. Okay. Andy Reed. Because won. there's actually, there's actually some split here between offense defense, and there's even a special teams guy in here. And I'll get to that. Number one, Andy Reed, offensive guy. Who's his quarterback? Mahomes. Future Hall of Famer. Number two, Bill Belichick, defensive guy. Who do you have for most of the last 20 years at quarterback? The GOAT, Tom Brady. Number three, John Harbaugh, special teams guy. Who's his quarterback? Lamar MVP Jackson. Number four, Sean Payton, offensive guy. Who was his quarterback until earlier this year? Hall of Famer, Drew Brees. Five, Sean McDermott, defensive guy. Who's his quarterback? You got uh, up-and-coming MVP, potentially Josh Allen. Right. Six, Sean McVay, and he's kind of the exception here in the top yeah. 10. Jared Goff, now Matthew Stafford may give him that guy. Offensive mm-hmm. guy, though, Sean McVay. Seven, Pete Carroll, defensive guy, who's his quarterback. Hall of Famer, Russell Wilson. Eight, Bruce no MVP votes. Right. <laughs> Eight, but oh yeah, future Hall of Famer in Russell Wilson. Eight, Bruce Arians, who's his quarterback, and he's uh, an offensive guy. A former number one overall pick and also Tom Brady. Yep. 
nine, Matt LaFour, offensive guy. Who's his quarterback? A guy named uh, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, for now, anyway. And 10, <laughs> Mike Tomlin, who's who's been his quarterback for his entire Future time. Hall of Famer, two, uh, two-time Super Bowl champ, Big Ben. Yep, exactly. So Mike Tomlin, defensive guy, Pete Carroll, defensive guy, Sean McDermott, defensive guy, Bill Belichick, defensive guy, John Harbaugh, special teams guy. So half the coaches aren't offensive guys, yeah. but does this not underscore how it's all about the quarterback again? It's all about the quarterback, Maze. It's all about the quarterback. And these guys, um, you know, credit to Sean McVay for being in the top 10, really the only guy without, you know, a an MVP or a Hall of Fame quarterback, uh, at least up until this point. Well, and actually... Uh, Matthew Stafford right now, only a one-time pro bowler, which is kind of weird. Um, but when you look at this list, it just shows you that's, that's all you need is a great quarterback and they make everything look good, everything. And you can even go back in history and just look at that. What happened when Peyton Manning didn't play with the Colts? They were the worst team in the league and got the number one overall pick. It, it doesn't really matter the coaching staff if you don't have the quarterback and Mace, Vic did not have the quarterback in 2018. He did not have the quarterback last year in terms of play. This year is, let's say, Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke. You know, the Broncos had a bottom five quarterback room last year. What if it's average? Is that a big enough jump for Vic to keep his job? Uh, if if he can accompany that with a 10 and six or 10 and seven record, or maybe even nine and eight, yes, it'll be enough to keep his job. I think and, uh, and the, the, way de- the demarcation the part. Yeah. Yeah. The demarcation point is probably 500. If they're above 500, I'd say it looks pretty good. If, uh, if they're below 500, you'd have to have a specific set of circumstances coming into play. I think for Vic Fangio to be the coach in 2022, like, yeah, like eight and nine, but you had as many injuries as you did last year. Eight and nine and and the quarterback play actually regressed from the previous year. Stuff like that. And and at that point, it would be all right. Well, basically, you got to torpedo the offensive staff and uh, start over over there if you're going to be around. Um, And also like and also even though the quarterback position matters, how you get to whatever record matters, because let's say the Broncos are nine and eight, but they lose their last three and fade out of the playoffs late. Right. That bad taste in your mouth is probably going to leave uh, is probably going to leave you going in an offseason of major changes in coaching and probably a change at quarterback, too. It's what eventually got uh, Mike Shanahan fired. But I mean, although it didn't just happen once, it happened multiple it years happened in again a row, and but, again and again. Yeah. And that sour taste. Uh, Pat Bullen was not wanting that at all. Mace, I, I think that's a great, great point about the, you know, 500 being the mark of D of, of where it matters, uh, especially being above 500. I don't think there's any way Vic Fangio gets fired. I mean, I'm sure there's a way, but not really a chance Vic Fangio gets fired if they go nine and eight. Little, there's definitely a conversation at eight and nine, even though I think he'll be he'll be pretty safe then. But what I want to do is I've got a little exercise for you to go through 
coaches that are right around 500. But before we do that, I got to tell you about a new partner alert. We have hooked up with Ball, and Ball is sponsoring us all across the DNBR network. And Ball, as in the new Ball Arena where the Nuggets and Avs play, the aerospace technology company is in the world's largest aluminum can and packaging manufacturer. Ball has been the leading global sustainability efforts for decades. In 2018 and 2019, Ball Aerospace developed image surveillance systems to observe natural resources from space and methane ozo, even land and water use. Ball's ASI Aluminum Stewardship Innovative Certification makes it a leader in the stewardship of aluminum while meeting the highest environmental, ethical, and social standards within the market value chain. By 2030, Ball aims to reduce operational carbon emissions by 55% and across their value chain by 16% from 2017 levels. So Ball has reached out to us and they need help in the Denver metro area at their golden plant. They have floor manufacturing positions for for production technicians and other roles available. Why, Zach? Why? They need more cans. Mason, 2020, Ball ball made over 101 billion cans. Billion cans. Boy, howdy, that's a lot of cans. So Ball is hiring production technicians to make even more aluminum beverage cans? You hit it. You hit it on the head, Mace. They're adding line capacity to their 400 person plant here in town at Golden. The demand for sustainable aluminum beverage cans is greater than ever. And yeah, more than that, chances are if you've consumed a beverage in a can, it's been from a ball aluminum can. In fact, right now, I mean, I'm drinking from a glass and it has ball right on it. Yeah, I have jars that have balls name on it. I have got an aluminum can with a tasty beverage in my hand right now. And as soon as I am done with this podcast, I've got a little combo trash recycling bin, one half trash, one, one half recycling. And so I'm going to drop this can in the recycling part with plenty of other cans I've used over the last few days. I love to hear it. And yeah. it's highly sustainable. 75% of their aluminum has has been or is still in use, which is incredible. That is staggering. So they just keep recycling aluminum all, all over and over again. And the cool thing about aluminum, Mace, is it's infinitely recyclable. That's why Ball thinks aluminum is a material of the future. It can be reused and manufactured forever. Wow. So in the future, will all kinds of things come in cans? Yeah, they're they're already making eight, 12 and 16 ounce sizes for all kinds of liquids, ball cans in over 30 different sizes of facilities across the world. The golden plant makes regular eight ounces and 12 ounces in sleek cans, a 24 ounce growler size, 12 and 24 ounce cans, aluminum tech bottles and several different can lid sizes, which are then shipped to the to the co plants to be filled. Wait a minute. That's not all done at the same place. Nope. Cans are made in parts, then assembled end to end. Wow, I had no idea. It looks like they're only one piece except for the little pull tab on top. Amazing. And they're hiring? Yep, right here in Golden. You can check them out. Hashtag work at ball online and apply for a position at their aluminum can plant. Text Golden to 77222 or go to jobs.ball.com and search for Golden. That's jobs.ball.com and search for Golden or simply text Golden to 77222. That's some good stuff. And of course, uh, if you uh, end up working over at uh, Ball's facility in Golden, you know what? You'll have a little extra money to come on down to the DNVR bar. And by the way, 
we recycle extensively over the DNVR bar. I have seen our recycling bin out back and it is always filled with cans and bottles. We're trying to do uh, the, the right, trying to do the right thing by uh, Mother Earth as much as possible. So check that out. Ball is a big, big partner, of course, of DNVR, partner of the Nuggets and the Avs and the Rapids and the Mammoth. And uh, uh, they're a good teammate to have here in the city of Denver. Of course, I mentioned the DNVR bar and Getting a big beer for the price of a small beer is one of the perks of being a DNVR member. It's also about getting the most in-depth coverage for your professional Denver teams, as you may know by listening to this broadcast. Among those other perks, you can join the DNVR Golf League. If you miss, miss the initial sign-up, we'll have more opportunities for you to join week-to-week, depending on what course we're on. So follow DNVR Golf on Twitter for all those updates. There's that members that don't only Discord where the staff interacts and you can talk Denver sports without worrying about politics or the jerks that you see on social media. Come on down to the DNVR bar for a watch party. You get extra raffle tickets if you're a DNVR member. Get a free DNVR shirt with annual membership. You get weekly member deals in the DNVR locker and with our partners. And because of those weekly member deals, you're going to find that being a DNVR member, it's going to pay for itself. And then you get the written content that Zach, myself, all the rest of the staff here at DNVR is pumping out throughout the year. And of course, the chance to join us in the red zone, for example, our live Friday show. So all those reasons why I mentioned all those reasons why it's a great time to become a member of DNVR. So join up today and get ready for the 2021 NFL season. We're going to have the most comprehensive coverage of training camp that you're going to find anywhere right here at DNVR. Also got to tell you about our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook because, guys, they have the deal back again. A chance to win $100 in site credits, and all you have to do is bet $1 on any basketball team that's still in contention. And if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. Last night, if you would have done on the Clippers, boom, you would have had $100 in site credits. Man, Clippers coming back a little bit. My DK pick of the week from last week looking a little good right now. I love it. And uh, make sure to check out everything they have. The great odds and promotions boosts on baseball, hockey, and basketball. So much more. They've got those every single day. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money and your funds at your convenience. So head to the App Store now. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNBR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. That's right. But on any basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you'll claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code DNVR for a limited time only. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Got a lot in there, Zach. <laughs> Woo. All right, Mace. Let's do a little, uh, a little exercise here. We're going to go through coaches that have right around a 500 record, uh, either last year or in their career. And I'm going to say, I'm going to ask you, would you rather have this coach or would you rather have Vic Fangio? So let's start at the top of the list. The guy with the losing record who is actually the highest up in this rankings is not surprising. Kyle Shanahan. Remember, Kyle Shanahan has one winning season as a head coach. And yes, his team did go to the Super Bowl that season. But outside of that, Mace, a losing record. So would you rather have Kyle Shanahan with his 29 and 35 record or Vic Fangio? With all respect to Vic Fangio, I'd rather have Kyle Shanahan. 
And yeah, and I don't think you're crazy for saying that. I think yeah. everyone would take that, even with his losing record. That's still just something that is it's just fascinating the way Kyle's looked at. I would say this, although Vic Fangio did not inherit a great situation when he came to Denver back in 2019. The reason why you saw both John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan get six-year contracts from the 49ers was just how dire that situation was when they arrived. And uh, kind of a, li- a little bit of credit to uh, to Rich McKay, who uh, uh, was worked with who worked with Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta, and of course uh, was the Bucks GM who was part of drafting John Lynch back in the day in Tampa in 1993. Rich, the son of the late John McKay, and John McKay ran uh, the Bucks as an expansion team, and uh, and uh, and then Rich kind of let them know, hey, uh, you're basically going to expansion team. You guys need long contracts. Now those long contracts have been have been somewhat justified. Hey, they've been to a Super Bowl, and frankly, had a, a great chance to win, even though Jimmy Garoppolo was their quarterback, and now they're uh, poised to uh, to gradually move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. They have to have better results this year, but uh, you get you get to the Super Bowl, you get the franchise back on a on a solid trajectory after uh, where they were in 2016. You got you got to say Kyle Shanahan's the guy. Of yeah, those you do, you do, and uh, man, everything rides on Trey Lance for both Kyle Shanahan okay. and John Lynch. There's no doubt about that. So I agree, and Mace, I think everyone else agrees. All right, moving up the list. You got Brian Flores sitting at 16. So he's saying that he's just, he's an average coach in the NFL, one of the average coaches. And he has a 15 and 17 record going into his third year as a, as a Dolphins coach. Would you rather have Brian Flores or Vic Fangio? Well, this is interesting because now you're in the realm of coaches who uh, interviewed with the Broncos yeah. when Fangio was hired. Flores mm-hmm. was someone that the Broncos uh, met with, along with uh, Zach Taylor. And, uh, mm, good question. They're basic. This is basically a coin flip at this point. Um, I'll actually give the slight edge to Fangio slight. I like it. Why? Um, well, frankly, I'm going to, I'm going to lean on head to head here. And the Dolphins had the better team coming coming into that game last November uh, when they came to Denver. Uh, it was, I believe, the last game with uh, with fans at with fans at home, even though there weren't very many of them. And uh, despite despite coming off a couple of horrible games, Fangio had that team ready to play, and that was also the week where Drew Locke was given an adjusted offensive game plan. And that comes down to coaching as well. Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer, they, you know, they gave Drew some sensible bites, a sensible, sensible bites game plan. And it worked. And uh, after the interception, he settled down, the Broncos settled down and, and they got a win. So it's, I don't want to put when, when they're even, and I think kind of Fangio and Flores are basically even as coaches. I'm just going to lean on the one day where they came together and Fangio out coach Flores. I thought. 
I like that. I like that justification. And again, we're looking at this as if Vic Fangio were to have about a 500 season next year. Mm-hmm. Right now, Brian Flores has a winning season at 10 and six. So I'm going to give the slight nod to Brian Flores, assuming the Dolphins are right around 500 uh, at least again next year. But I really like that head to head there. All right, Mace. 17 is Ron Rivera. He has an 83, 72 and one record. So just, you know, a, a decent amount above 500, but kind of right there with a five. 35 winning percentage. It's easy. It's Rivera. And yeah. he has gotten a team to a Super Bowl. And uh, now he has proven that he can improve multiple franchises. Carolina got better when he was there. After he came in, they were coming off a 2 and 14 season. Washington got better. And really, Washington, aside from uh, their pass rushers, uh, getting they, they got lucky being in a bad division uh, and being a 7 19 going to the playoffs but they were an improved team. And I'll also look at that playoff game against Tampa Bay when they're forced to start Taylor Heineke. And man, I mean, you look back at that. Washington gave Tampa Bay a hell of a run in that wild card game with Taylor Heineke. When you talk about maximizing what a team was at that moment, that's what Ron Rivera does. No, No disrespect to Vic Fangio. Ron Rivera is in my top 10 because of maximization of the resources that he has. Yeah, I mean, Mace, you you look, and this is a guy that's been to a Super Bowl, had a one-loss team with the Carolina Panthers, I guess two-loss team, actually, uh, after they played the Broncos <laughs> in the Super Bowl. Nice. Uh, but then... Mace, I think what he did last year was his most impressive coaching performance. And so that's why I'm going to give the nod to Ron Rivera is because of just what he's done recently. I mean, getting that team with all of the drama they had and, you know, Dwayne Haskins was their was their number one guy going into last year mm-hmm. and he was able to get them to the playoffs. I know it was seven and nine, an incredible job. So I'm going Ron here as well. But now I think I'm going Vic with this next one, Matt Rule. We're talking about the 18th best coach, so many spots above Vic, and he's got a 5-11 and 11 record. Man, I'm going Vic here because I know that Vic has can be a dominant defensive mind in the NFL. What I've seen from Matt Rule is, I mean, not just bad football, but I really haven't seen anything that makes me say like, oh, wow, that's inspiring. Oh, wow, he can really succeed as an NFL head coach. Where, as I know, man, if if the Broncos get average quarterback play, Vic really should have this defense purring. Well, I would say you've seen inspiring stuff from Fangio as a defensive coordinator, but not as a head coach. And that's what we're measuring yeah. here. And yeah. that's why I'd say Rule and Fangio are pretty, they're coaches with flaws and they're pretty close to even. Um, again, I'm going to kind of lean on uh, what they were head to head, kind of maximizing what they had. I'm going to give Fangio similar to what I did with Flores, the slight edge there, but uh, it's slight. Now that, I mean, Fangio has had missteps. Matt Rule has had missteps as Teddy Bridgewater alluded to. I mean, literally not working on situational football, like two minute red zone. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what are you, what are you doing there? I mean, what, what yeah. are you thinking now? Matt, now the test of every coach is how they adjust and how they grow. If Matt rule learns and grows from that, he's going to shoot up this list. And, and, and even the coaches that we're talking about being among the best coaches, they had things their first year where they look back on and they say, WTF was I thinking. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, with without a doubt, and you hope that that's something for the Panthers' sake that he changes, yeah. uh, especially for David Tepper's sake. All right, let's just yes. go. Th- actually, let's go through this list where we are right now since we're at 19 mm. to Vic Fangio. Uh, Matt Nagy, very interesting. The Bears decided to hire Matt Nagy over Vic Fangio. Matt Nagy has a 28-20 and 20 record. I think he gets crushed a lot more than he maybe should with a record like that. Yeah, he – yeah. See, I'm, I'm going Nagy or Fangio here. And um guy that's really on the hot seat. Yeah, it, the, the seat is roasting at this point. And um they and they can't they can't blame Mitchell Trubisky anymore. But uh right. I don't like last year with the Bears. I mean, I think that was a six and ten team that went eight and eight. Mm-hmm. And I look at Nagy's time. And I, I see three years where I thought their record was better, um, or, or two. He's been there three years. Pardon me. I see two years where I think they were be- they, their record was better than the team was, and one where it was slightly worse. So on balance, I think he's got them playing slightly above their heads. Yeah, and that's and why I, I think. And I, I, I'd have Nagy higher on this list than nineteenth. Yeah. And it's actually crazy just with how much he's on the hot seat. And, you know, a lot of people thought he should be fired, but a 28 and 20 record having to play with Mitchell Trubisky, Nick Foles kind of deal with that situation. But Mace, this all comes down to, especially in these rankings, it all comes down to, um, it all comes down to just if Justin Fields pans out, you know, that's going to be the story of whether it's Vic Fangio or Matt Nagy. You know, some of these coaches, if they don't, if they're in their first stop and they don't work out, I think of them in terms of if I had a coaching, if I had a coaching vacancy, would I want to bring them in, see what they've learned? And but because I would prefer to hire a retread that has kind of learned some things in, in the first stop. Matt Nagy's one of the guys who would be high on my list if I were looking for a coach in a year or two, if the bears let him go find out, okay, what did you learn? What would you do differently? I don't, me personally, I don't like hiring first time head coaches. I like, I would, I prefer to bring in somebody who's done it before. That's just kind of, that's let them, let them make their first time mistakes elsewhere. Next on this list, Mace, a guy that was hired to be a second time head coach, John Gruden with the Raiders and what? third time because he was uh yeah he was with the raiders and then he was with the bucks and now he's back with the yep. raiders yep and he has 114 and 110 record how about that i mean pretty much a 500 head coach 10 million bucks a year yeah oh man you know it, it's it's so frustrating to watch because you could you see some game plans from john gruden that are nothing short of brilliant to this day mm-hmm. and you get those glimpses it's but man like they, they, they can't get out of their way sometimes as a team yeah yeah oh i mean i group you've got to have gruden higher than fangio um you've, you've got the super bowl you've got the you've got the playoff appearances and we I, and look tampa bay collapsed pretty immediately after they fired john gruden and that says a lot for for kind of what his value was to that team. And the Raiders are, I, I think their their roster is, has finally gotten back to where it was a couple of years before Gruden got there. I mean, it, he's he's improved the overall talent level on the team, but yeah, 
he's above Fangio, but he's above Fangio kind of in that, in that middle to lower middle tier. It's not much. Man, it is not much, and it's just wild. But uh, I may give the slight edge to Vic here just because, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you point to what you like about John, and you have to point so far back. And so I say, okay, who's going to have more success this year? Really, the only level I give the Raiders is quarterback. And now that's a that's a really big one, but I really think the Broncos are, are better in every other way. So man, I may go slight edge to Vic here, but I totally see putting John and and I also like John Gruden as a person. He he's such a character uh and, and fun to talk to. So uh so I'd like John. But uh yeah I'll give the slight edge to Vic. All right next one uh next one who with a guy that has a, a record Cliff Kingsbury 13 and 18. He is not this amazing coach that Ryan thought he was going to be. At least well, so I mean, far. wasn't he a below 500 coach at Texas Tech as well? Yep, he was. He just had the great offense. This is the thing. Cliff Kingsbury and Vic Fangio, they could be opposite sides of the same coin because Cliff's an offensive guy, Vic's a defensive guy. And so far, we haven't seen the team-wide success from both of them. Now, Cliff has more to work with at quarterback with Kyler Murray than the Broncos have had, clearly. Right. And, and yet the, they've kind of been mired in mediocrity. Now, that being said, the arrow is pointing upward a bit more on the Cardinals than it is with the Broncos right now. Um, I'm going to cop out. Like I said, they're two, they're, they're two sides of the same coin. They're, these two are even. Yeah, they're even and like they're completely different because Vic has so much experience in the NFL defensive side. Cliff, no experience in the NFL offensive side. All right, here's another one. Mike McCarthy, who has a fantastic record, but man, last year was tough. Yeah, last year was tough in a lot of ways. And uh, I mean, I think with the Cowboys, if they could have just gotten a little bit more out of Andy Dalton, they would have been in the playoffs, but they didn't. And of course, their their defense is kind of a shambles right now as well, for the most part. And the interesting thing is, remember all those coaches we talked about in the top ten, and they they either had the have the quarterback or they had the quarterback for a long time. Mike McCarthy had the quarterback for a long time, and he's sitting here at twenty three. Now he's got the quarterback again in Dak Prescott. Um, yeah, I've I've got to say that. Again, I can't, I can't put Fangio above a guy who has been a perennial playoff coach, but McCarthy, Super Bowl. yeah, but again, actually, uh, the Super Bowl is, uh, is 11 years in the past. Oh yeah. man, this is, this is, this is tough, but this is incredibly subjective here. Actually, you know what? I'm actually going to, I'm going to kind of, I'm, this is just what happens when you're thinking out loud. I think I'm going to take Vic over McCarthy. Right I now. am too. I am too, Mace. And not recency bias, because I don't think this is bias. I just think recency is important here. And Vic has not had a lot of success as a head coach, but you don't hear uh, just how much of a mess it is behind the scenes with Vic. And you kind of have heard that with Mike McCarthy at mm-hmm. his last two stops, really. So I'm going Vic Fangio here. And then Mace, the one right ahead of Vic is, of course, Brandon Staley. Very hard to judge these guys that that have never been a head coach before, but just kind of funny that they put him one notch above Vic. Because remember, just 
18 months ago, he was Vic's outside oh. linebacker coach. Yeah, but he's the hot name. And the, the, the two the two coaches that are first-time head coaches that are above Vic Fangio are Arthur Smith at 21 and Brand Staley at 24. They're hot names right now. Arthur Smith, he's a hot name because of Ryan Tannehill and what right. he did with the Titans offense there. And uh, now his gift back to the Titans is to send them Julio Jones. <laughs> so <laughs> watch the Titans be even better on offense without Arthur Smith because they sent him Julio. But Brandon Staley, yeah, he, yeah he, he's the cool name. He's the it guy right now. And then you have the two veteran coaches who are below Vic Fangio, Joe Judge and Zach Taylor. I mean, Zach Taylor has been, I mean, the guy was starting Brandon Allen for a good chunk of last year. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it for Zach, it all depends on how Joe Burrow develops. And then Joe Judge. Judge is interesting coming from the Patriots, of course, because even though the Giants were 6-10 and 10 last year, and even though Daniel Jones struggled, in terms of kind of the, the team and the, like, the overall locker room, I felt like the Giants took some very quiet steps forward. Uh, they were kind of dysfunctional. I feel like... To, especially like at the end, uh, I love what they did in week 17. They're playing Dallas. Dallas is fighting for a playoff spot. And they basically, they basically controlled that game uh, for most of it. And uh, I think he had, he had the giants playing with a lot of, with a lot of spirit, especially down the stretch that the, the effort was there. The energy was there. Is it going to translate into performance when they get to Saquon Barkley back this year. Is he going to be able to get Daniel Jones uh, to the level that Dave Gettleman believes he can be? Those two are questions. Those two questions, the answers are going to determine the Giants season, but I don't think that the Giants make a, a leap like the Patriots did in the second year, Bill Belichick, where they went all the way to the Super Bowl and won it. Cause I don't think Daniel Jones is Tom Brady. I do think the Giants get better this year. I, I wouldn't be at all surprised. The Giants are sitting there at eight and eight or nine, seven. And I think, I like what Joe Judge is doing right now. And uh, putting him ahead of Vic? I'd probably take Joe. If you gave me the two coaches right now, I'd probably take Judge ahead of Vic. Wow. All right. And then what about Zach Taylor? Uh, I haven't seen any evidence yet that Zach Taylor is. uh, Is more than is more than a good offensive mind. Again, now with Zach Taylor, I'd like to see what he does in his second stop. I guess don't I guess don't think it's going to work in Cincinnati. Fair. Fair, very fair. All right, so Mace, I'm I'm actually moving Vic up a couple of spots here. For me, he still stays in the bottom ten, but uh, maybe maybe a spot or two higher, I think, is probably fair for him. And anytime you're talking about a guy who's in the bottom ten, you are talking about a guy that's on the hot seat. And there's no question that Vic Fangio is on the hot seat right now, Mace. Yeah, it's it's hot. I mean, it's I, I would say it's warm on right the warm now. seat. It's warm, and. I think it becomes hot if they start any less than two and one. If they're one and two or zero and three, it's hot. Right after those first three games. Yeah, but if they're two and one, then I think it it, it it's warm, but it doesn't it it doesn't get hot. It, he he's got to be below five hundred uh, early if for that for that seat to get hot, and then it depends on the season flow because, like I said, you could have a season, Zach where you finish nine and eight, but you lose the last three. And if that's the case, they finish that they go nine and they're nine and five. They lose three in a row. They fall out of the playoffs. I think even though they're above 500, that uh, we'd be potentially talking about some big changes on black Monday in January. 
Yeah, I th- okay. I think you're you're very right so, there, Mace. And yeah. so this year, huge, huge for him, and that's why George Payton has given him every opportunity to succeed, at least on the defensive side of the ball. Yep. Process and style and how you get to the record matters. What also matters is where you go for your dentist. And uh, we've had several DNVR listeners switch over to Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood and make them their permanent family dentist. And they've let us know how great their experience was. And they thank us for leading them to such a wonderful practice. There's nothing more rewarding than hearing that from our listeners. So please tell us your experience if you've made the switch. If you don't know, Green Mountain Dental Group is in Lakewood. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area. And they're extreme Colorado sports fans just like all of us. Our sales director, Lindsay, just had her wisdom teeth removed at Green Mountain dental and said it was literally the best dentist experience of her life they'll send you a personal card to your home after becoming a new patient and after surgery the the dentist will personally call you up and check on you you're not just a patient when you're in that dental chair you're a patient all the time at green mountain dental they care about you and if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam right now you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. And that's a big time freebie. That's going to help you have good brushing habits. I use the Sonicare. I recommend it. It's going to make sure that you brush for the full two minutes every morning and night. It, just listen to the beeps, follow what it does. That's what I said. That's what I mean when I say it generates good brushing habits. Green Mountain Dental, they'll treat you like family. They're a longtime DMVR partner. They're only 15 minutes from downtown Denver in Lakewood. And they always want you to remember that the first step to good health is by taking care of your mouth. There's no better place to do that in the Denver area than at Green Mountain Dental. Hassle Cattle Company is the absolute best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the entire country. They're a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas. They ship all over the United States of America straight to your door, and they call their beef the blue-collar Wagyu because it's the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. In fact, we've got the Wagyu burger at our bar, and it's only 12 bucks. Talk about affordable and talk about delicious when you're talking about Hassle Cattle Company and their Wagyu beef. We've got the Wagyu beef burger at the DNBR bar. That's the ultimate stamp that we can put out on product. And not just that, but we all buy from Hassle Cattle Company. And if you use the code DNBR10, you'll get 10% off your order over at HassleCattleCompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L CattleCompany.com. And any order over $200, you get free shipping. And it's not just their burgers that you can get. You can get Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strip, beef bacon, Wagyu frank, multiple types of jerky, and of course their flank steaks and they're giving you an offer right now for their flank steaks buy three get one free on their flank steaks use the code dnvr flank that's dnvr f-l-a-n-k to get these super affordable delicious steaks which are perfect for marinating at buy three get one free they're only 9.99 so you'll get four for the price of under $30. Make sure to check them out over at Hassle Cattle Company. Smash the code DNVR flank, DNVR F-L-A-N-K, and DNVR 10 for 10% off. And of course, any order over 200 bucks, you get free shipping. Hassle Cattle Company. Also want to tell you about a new partner, Solace Meds, a premier dispensary with some hot deals to offer. Four convenient Colorado locations for Solace Meds. In Fort Collins, Wheat Ridge, one off Broadway in Denver, one on East Colfax, just blocks away from the DMVR bar. They've got some great deals this month, including 20% of all glacier concentrates, 20% off Mile High Extractions, 20% off CBN gummies, two for $25 off Koala and Solace 100 milligram bars, 15% off any three grams of connoisseur concentrates and buy three, get one free for the entire store. And all of these deals you can take advantage of and get that additional 20% off your entire purchase when you use that code 
DMVR20 at checkout. Solace Meds will make your cannabis shopping experience a delight. You can head on over to their website, view their menu, order online, and pick up at your convenience. Just head to solacemeds.com. That's S-O-L-A-C-E meds.com and purchase from there. When you make your purchase, use that code DMVR20 for 20% off. There's no better way to support DMVR than by supporting our partners. So get online and purchase or head on over to one of their four locations and get the best customer service and 20% off your purchase. That's DMVR20 at checkout for 20% off your entire purchase every time. Let us know when you head on over there and tag us when you do. And when you use that code DMVR20, they'll know that your friends at DNVR sanction. All right, Mace, comment section time. Let's talk to the people and let's jump into the comment section, Mace. First one coming in from our friend Dak Logan. He says, hey guys, great pod yesterday. DT will be missed. You talked about Judy or Sutton having the DT type career. Who do you think has the best shot to become DT and why? Also, what are the odds that both of these players will become DT? Thanks in advance, Logan. So when you talk about, you know, body type, obviously it's Cortland Sutton. But let's talk about production, Mace. Who has a better shot? Is it Cortland Sutton or is it Jerry Judy? I think it's Jerry Judy. Mace, I think it uh, it should be Jerry Judy. Look, he was the highest drafted Broncos receiver in the organization's history. Top 15 pick, and Cortland Sutton's a great player. Jerry Judy has special traits, mm-hmm. special traits. So, Cortland uh, Sutton, second round pick, Jerry Judy, top 15 pick. It really should be Judy. Yeah, now it's funny because I think about Judy and, and Sutton, and I, I don't see DT. I actually look at the combination of Judy and Sutton and see kind of Rod Smith at McCaffrey 2.0. And I think that Judy is the Rod Smith and Cortland is the Ed McCaffrey. Yeah, that's not so bad. that <laughs> I know we're, we're thinking about DT, but I tend to see that combo is more analogous to uh, to what those guys can be than than Demarius Thomas's career. Right. Yeah, I, li- I like that. And obviously, Rod Smith, the most prolific receiver in Broncos history. Yep. Mark IT Snatch. Hey, guys, I'm still catching up. I don't know if this came yes, up yesterday. DT had the second most productive five-year time span for any receiver ever, ever, from 2012 to 2016. 535 catches, 51 for touchdowns, 7,332 yards, and 64 wins. Who and in what years is number one? Oh, I never, that's a good question. Um, well, first of all, I'd scratch the wins off because uh, I don't even count QB wins, let alone wide receiver wins. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair um i uh i mean I yeah. pretty much I, I know who's won do you mace is it jerry rice or Terrell owens which one you got to pick one uh well if if we're throwing wins in i mean you'd probably have to say you'd probably have to say jerry rice i mean i'm thinking like there there was that stretch in the 90s when jerry rice was with steve young and i want to say it is had, jerry rice mace. yeah it is it's Jerry like, Rice. So not yeah. bad for DT to have the second yeah. best five-year stretch only behind the greatest wide receiver of all time. And, and the other, but the thing with Jerry Rice that separated him is that productive stretch. Wasn't it actually like a, like a 10 year, like a, a 10 or 11 year stretch that he had that really was kind of the apex of his production. And, and that's amazing. And it wasn't, it, you could take like these five-year stretches from 86 to 96 and you can just kind of grab any five-year stretch from that and it's an all-time run 
And he mm-hmm. think about it, they did it for 11 years before uh, before he tore his ACL in week one of the 97 season. And then after and then in his elder career, he still bounced back and had some really good years after that, although they didn't match his prime. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you're right, Mace. But, uh, man, just shows you how incredible. And this is why DT should be in the conversation, at least for the Hall of Fame, is when he was great, he was absolutely dominant. And, again, did it without just Peyton Manning. All right, he goes on, Mace, and says, who's that one guy? We can easily make an entire roster of Raiders who fits the bill, but who was yours that you would like to have on your team but you hated when he wasn't? Oh, wow. Um. I mean, isn't there one guy that literally did this and it's Bill Romanowski? Uh, yeah. I mean, but I think a lot of Bronco fans didn't even like Bill Romanowski even when he was here. <laughs> Bill Romo was and is a different guy. Um, true. My, fav- my favorite story is uh, uh, when he, you know, he of course had all sorts of bombs and stuff that he used. And I remember uh, hearing this from, uh, from, a, from one of the Broncos PR people back in the day and uh, Romo claiming that he had this bald bomb that literally reversed the aging process. And so in theory, if you wow. not just stop, but reversed it. So in theory, if you use this bomb, does that mean you, you become an infant at some point, if you use enough of it? <laughs> Did you get to have, ever ask him that question, Mace? Oh, um, by the time I got a chance to meet Romo, he was on to pitching something else. <laughs> he's always got like, I remember we've interviewed him at the Super Bowl a couple of times and he's always got, when he's on some radio or at the Super Bowl, he's always got something that he's pitching always. Oh. So oh, yes, <laughs> um, yeah. Mason, like, to this that day, stands like, out to, to you. Yeah. Oh, besides besides Romo, yeah. oh man. Um, well, I mean, the thing with the Raiders is uh, that it's been a long uh, it's been a long time since they had a quarterback that you really wanted. I mean, now Carr would be an upgrade. Um, uh, wow, it's hard to um, like hate hate Derek Carr. Like he's he's so nothing. Todd Christensen, I, I wished he was on my team back in the eighties, but I didn't hate him. I always, I always liked him. I always liked when he did the broadcast, he used a lot of $5 words. And uh, sometimes people be listening be like, what the hell? And I, and in Christensen's using those words, I'm like, yeah, I understand what you're saying, buddy. I get it. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah. I think, uh, I think Romo is definitely one that people hate. So I'll go him. Yeah. And true champ fan says, I'd not really hate him, but Charles Woodson, because the thought of Woodson and Bailey playing in the same unit makes me giddy. I always wish Champ went the route of Woodson and played a couple of years of safety. Me too. Me too. I really wish he'd been able to do that. That would have been cool if he was around for uh, the 2015 team. That's for sure. Yeah. Yep. True Champ fan 24. My peoples. I think DT's best cash came against the Chiefs. He loses flowers on a double move, outleaps the safety, snags the ball one-handed for a touchdown before going out of bounds. He got up on that play. Any fan who has an issue with DT just isn't a fan in my eyes. Shut up about the drops. The man proved time and time again he was a warrior. And look, even Jerry Rice had problems with drops early in his career. Drops uh, drops can happen. Yeah. And again, and and again the- like I said earlier in the show, there was an awful lot on his mind uh, at, at stretches where he had a bunch of drops. And that catch against the Chiefs was just outstanding. One-handed back of the end zone. I mean, the Chiefs just couldn't believe he caught it. They were like, no, 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 incomplete, incomplete. And it's like, no, 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 no. That was very complete. They just could not believe that a human being could make that catch. Yep. 
Count Locula. We will be lucky if we see another wide receiver in orange and blue like DT in our lives. He played injured for damn near his entire career. A true beast in the passing game. Elite blocking. Top-notch hard. I was stoked to be able to travel from Montana to go to the Jets game this year, but now I'm beyond stoked. Love the count because, of course, DT is going to be the honorary captain that day. And, and the Jets game is a good choice because one of the first moments where you saw what DT could be back in his rookie season – he was coming off of a concussion, suffered a week earlier on a kickoff. Why Josh McDaniels had him returning kickoffs, I have no clue. It was really dumb. But he beat Darrell Revis, Revis Island, at the peak of Revis Island for a <laughs> touchdown there uh, in the southwest corner of the stadium. <laughs> yes, that is. I mean, and man, yeah, why DT was ever on kickoff, so stupid. But uh, oh, that's Josh for you. That's uh, that's Joshers. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> Next bad, memory. Mel- bad memory. Melbourne Bronco, mm. Demarius Thomas. Thanks for the memories. Legend that catches forever burned in my memory. Hi, guys. I've been thinking about a quarterback battle, and I think it's just for show. With our first three games extremely winnable, there is no way Drew Locke starts. It will be Teddy, regardless of what happens at training camp. I think Steady Teddy is getting the first three games. There's too much at risk for Vic to start Locke and possibly start 0 and 3 or 1 and 2. And would Vic ask his wide receiver core who they think should start? Just my thoughts. Keep up the great work. Mm, I don't think Vic would ask directly. He might ask uh, Zach Azani uh, what the receivers think. Yeah, um, yeah he, he's not going to ask he, these guys individually, though. Right. He's not going to ask them individually. I think through the position coaches, he'll get a, he'll get a read on what they think, who they think, and then, and what's, and also kind of, uh, you know, what kind of presence uh, the quarterback has as well. Now, I, I think there's something interesting to the notion of saying Teddy starts early, but maybe the best, maybe the thing for Drew that keeps hope alive for him, believe it or not, is not being the starter early. Because perhaps the one thing that could allow Drew one more shot would be he doesn't start early, but he comes in in relief at some point in the season. And by being on the bench, he's kind of learned some things and watched and he comes back and he's a better quarterback because of it. That would be something, man. I, I just think if he's not getting the start, yeah, that, that would not be in the Broncos plans for him to be the guy, but that would be uh that would be quite a story if he was able to. Yeah. I, I, I th- look, if drew starts the season and gets pulled, that's it. If drew doesn't start the season, I don't think that's it because there might be that opportunity down the line for him to pre to reprove himself after he's watched for a few weeks. Fair, fair. I just don't think that ends up happening in Denver, but I see what you're saying. Mace next one from negative false positive DT's retirement has me thinking of the great Broncos pass catchers since the late eighties. When I began watching football, here's my top 10 list in no particular order. How would you rank them? All right, Mace, after I say these, you're going to have to rank them. Uh, he says, Rod Smith, Vance Johnson, Shannon Sharp, Brandon Marshall, Ed McCaffrey, DT, E-Man, Eric Decker, Eddie Royal, and Mark Jackson. I assume E-Man is Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, that would be my guess. Okay. Um, Rod's number one. If we're include, actually, no, you know what? No offense, but, but you have to kind of go by the standards of the position. If we're including a tight end, Shannon Sharp's number one. Yeah, I mean Shannon yeah. absolutely has to be has right. to be in here, even though he wasn't a true receiver. But I mean a pass catcher, he's in here. Right. So it'd be Sharp, it'd be Rod Smith, it would be uh, Demarius Thomas. You'd have, I think you, I think you would have um, 
I agree with you so far. I, I think you'd have, believe it or not, Brandon Marshall. Oh, above DT. Uh, no, DT is right is okay. third. Oh, right, and then, right. Then Marshall. Then, oof. coin flip between Sanders and McCaffrey. I'm going to go McCaffrey, then Sanders. Me too. And then, um, and then, and then I'm going with uh, with Mark Jackson, Vance Johnson, Eddie Royal. Love it. Love it, Mace. And he goes on and says, uh, responding to something we talked about yesterday, Chiefs you hate. Come on. It's got to be Derek Thomas. John Elway still has nightmares oh. about that dude. See, I love Derek Thomas. I played in a fantasy league in high school that had individual defensive players, IDP. And Derek Thomas was a guy I make sure I have on my team every year. So I love I love that dude. And you know what? <laughs> if, the, if the Bucks had... And it still bothers me to this day. If the Bucs had not won a meaningless season-ending game against the Detroit Lions in 1988, they would have been in position to get one of Deion Sanders, Derek Thomas, or Barry Sanders in the 89 draft. Wow. And instead, those guys were all gone, and the Bucs picked Broderick Thomas, who did fine for a while, but was not in the class of those other guys. And it probably would have been Derek Thomas because the Bucks coach, Ray Perkins, recruited him and coached him at Alabama before coming to Tampa Bay. So I think of Derek Thomas. I'm, I loved him, but I'm like, if only, and this is why I'm okay with throwing away games at the end of the season because if the Bucs had lost that meaningless game, week 16 of 88, they could have had Derek freaking Thomas. Yeah, I totally agree with you, man. That's heart wrenching, Mace. I'm sorry. Oh, and, and this is and this is I, people may say, oh, uh, you're not a true fan if you're rooting for your team to lose. Bull pop, rooting for your team to be better. Right. <laughs> anyway, sorry. No, I mean you're you're 100 right. You're, you're rooting for your team's uh, long term future. But that's and this is and and that's why I am okay with losing games when you're out of it lose them all for all i care and this is true <laughs> next one from dan burke hey guys so with dt retiring i'm reminded that there was always a section of the fan base that didn't appreciate him i'm sure y'all remember how many fans were defending case keenum and said the dt slowed down on that overthrow versus the chiefs shake my head yes oh shake my. my head to the dt haters out there i i still get angry about that about people blaming dt for that yeah still yeah yeah, it was he, a uh, bad pass. It was a bad pass. DT ran the route perfectly as you, exactly as you are supposed to do there. And Keenum just airmailed the damn ball. I mean, that 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 play summed up Case Keenum, right, as a Bronco? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it did. Open receiver, and he missed him. Yep, man. Unlike training camp, that's for sure. And last one coming in from Free Philip Lindsay. Haven't had the chance to catch this pod yet, but damn, it, DT is a beast and so glad he'll retire a Bronco. Mainly commenting because I feel like Dalvin Cook was a glaring omission from the top five running back discussion. Second most rushing yards last year. One less touchdown than Derrick Henry. And the nearest guy after that had five less, despite only playing 14 games. And his catching ability is up there with the best running backs. Averages basically the same yard career yards per reception as Kamara. Hey, I mean, I I, I was saying that Javante Williams could be another Dalvin Cook. That'd be pretty good, wouldn't and it? And that that excites me. I I, th I think there are a lot of parallels between Javante and Dalvin Cook. The actually, I went back. Uh, I had about uh, twenty minutes over the weekend, and for some reason, I was watching some Dalvin Cook highlights, and it was sort of you know 
sort of intriguing to kind of look at what we've seen from Javante, what we've done studying Javante the last couple of months and how similar they are as backs. Man, and Mace, I'm doing some research for a piece for next week on Javante and what he can do. And man, is it a good thing to be a running back in the second round? The Broncos may have hit the sweet spot there with Javante. Yeah, it wasn't always the sweet spot, but what we've seen, I think, in the last decade or so, as the value on drafted running backs has changed, is that because the because the qual because we've seen fewer quality running backs go early, you're getting guys that were mid first rounders in terms of talent that are going in round two. And that's why I really love that spot for finding your running back. Now it's not a spot I would have loved 20 years ago. It's a spot you that you love today. And may speaking of sweet spots, if you have a sweet spot in your mouth, well, you got to check out our friends over in green mountain dental. Well, they will take care of that and they will clean your teeth. And if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from our friends at green mountain dental. That means if you have any sweet spots in your mouth on a daily basis, well, that Sonicare toothbrush can, can take care of it. They're a DNVR. They're part of our family over at DNVR and we love them. They love us. So make sure to show them the love and we when you do tell them that you're part of the dnvr family and you can talk sports because they're extreme colorado sports fans just like all of us they're only a 15 minute drive from downtown denver so make sure to check them out and remember schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam you'll get a free sonicare toothbrush over at green mountain dental well mace that'll do it for us today thank you all so much for rolling with us today we'll be back tomorrow going live on youtube at 10 a.m so make sure to check us out we really appreciate everyone that leaves a comment and that rolls with us but for andrew mason i'm zach steve have a terrific Tuesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. How long's it been since you had roll out the truck and took a country drive? Now understand that you need some time. I know some landmarks we used to hit. We're flying cotton, we stick to your lips Now I know those lips ain't mine They haven't been in a long, long time I'd like to patch it up, I wanna change your mind
take you back.